phone, just grab that and just repeat after me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. I believe God's word. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same after hearing God's word. I am being transformed by the ever-living, uncompromising, never-changing, ever-powerful word of God. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Everybody believing, everybody serving, and everybody giving. Amen and amen. Remain standing. Matthew chapter 11. So, Father, thank you. As always, such a privilege to stand behind this sacred desk in this moment. We don't take it lightly at all. Nobody came to hear Keith. We have come to hear from you. So think through my mind and speak through my mouth. The word of the living God. I must decrease that you might increase. We break up the fallowed ground of our own hearts that we might receive the engrafted word of God that is able to save our souls. We give you praise. It is a privilege to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Matthew chapter 11, I'm going to be reading in your hearing the first six verses in the New Living Translation of the Bible. The word of the Lord. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. So far, the scripture, you may be seated. So I want to preach in your hearing today a faith that survives a crisis. A faith that survives a crisis. Of course, we are uh, taking for a theme throughout 2022, quite frankly, uh, the theme of defending the faith. So there will be messages throughout this year, if the Lord tarries, uh, regarding what we would consider to be apologetics, which really uh, has to do with being able to defend what you believe. So the statistics, uh, you know, Barna and people like that, uh, say that we all have 
a crisis in our faith at some point in our walk with God. So I want to explain what that kind of means. A, a crisis of faith means we are tempted, everybody say tempted. We are tempted to walk away from serving God. Now don't raise your hands, but just acknowledge that there have been times in your life where you've thought about this is not worth it. Thought about, I'm not sure I can maintain my integrity. I'm not, I'm not sure that I can continue to walk with God under these circumstances. This mindset sometimes is long-term, sometimes it's short-term, but it's usually, listen, it's usually caused by a tragedy or a betrayal or a broken relationship, a devastating loss, or an event or occurrence that we don't understand. And sometimes things can happen that we don't understand. So I put this in the category of doubt, which I believe all of us experience from time to time. And I've uh, explained to you many, many times, if you've been connected with our church or heard me preach for very long, you'll re be reminded that oftentimes I will say things like, um, you can be talked out of what you believe, but you cannot be talked out of what you know. So there are times that God understands that we will have moments of doubt. That is different than the choice to be an unbeliever. Unbelief is a choice. Remember the principle uh, that I taught you over the years. Listen, here it is again. Don't allow what you don't know or understand to obscure what you do know. In other words, there are things that I don't understand about the digestive system, but that doesn't stop me from eating. Y'all still here. I, I'm not sure how this thing works. But I, I, I don't let my lack of understanding, my lack of knowledge stop me from eating what I like to eat. Even great men and women of God have had to fight through their crisis of faith. And I'm preaching this, I believe God is leading me because um, of the, the weight. And I, I sometimes prophetically I can feel the weight that is being um, put on people such that they don't know what to do to the point where uh, the stress of it makes them think about leaving God. And let me go on record and, and say, listen, hang on in there. It is worth it. The key is to know, listen, is to know what to do or even allow when the crisis comes. The key is when the crisis comes, you got to know what to do. Yes. Jeremiah was 
a prophet of God, of course, and he was depressed because his message wasn't being received and he was being persecuted because of it. If you look at Jeremiah chapter 20 and, and before that, uh, what had happened is this great man of God, a uh, 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 ministry that God gave to Jeremiah that was primarily something where he would cry out against sin. He would cry out against wrong. He would cry out when the people don't do what they're supposed to do. He would call it out and say all kinds of things about it. Listen, even in 2022, listen, that message is not popular. I grew up in a day, and not saying that this is necessarily right or prudent, but I grew up in a day when prophets came to town, folks that were doing stuff they had no business, they wouldn't come to church. And I'm not saying that this is the right posture, the right thing to do necessarily, but if you came to church and you were sleeping with somebody's wife, you might get busted. Because God will show the prophet some stuff that's going on. Now, his, his motive is not to just expose you for, ex for the sake of exposure. The motive is to let you know, get yourself together. Yeah. Repent. So Jeremiah had that type of ministry. Not everybody, not every pastor has the same type of ministry, the same thrust per se. But Jeremiah had that kind of thing going on. And of course, uh, you remember uh, during this period of time, just before this text, uh, I'm going to read right now. Um, Jeremiah had called down fire from heaven and consumed the prophets of Baal. That's a lot of authority. But not everybody, not everybody is happy when you do what God is telling you to do. Verse 7 says, oh Lord, you misled me. And I allowed myself to be misled. You're stronger than I am and you overpowered me. Now I am mocked every day. Everyone laughs at me. When I speak, the words burst out. Violence and destruction. I shout. So these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. What is Jeremiah saying? He's saying, listen, this message, this anointing, this grace, this assignment that you have given me, God, you tricked me. Uh, I, I'm, I'm serving you and, and I'm going to do what you say, but these people don't want to hear nothing from you. They're laughing at me. They're ridiculing me. And it's, it's wearing thin on me. It's, it's wearing me out. And so I decided, I, I decided I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm through with all that. I want to I want to preach a prosperity gospel message. I want to preach something that people will receive. I, I'm, I'm tired of being ridiculed. I'm tired of being rejection, rejected. And, and I've been feeling this kind of way. So I've decided I'm quitting. I'm not preaching anymore. But then something on the inside. 
As soon as I said to myself, I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm not going to say these kind of messages. There's something on the inside. I like the King James Version. There's a fire shut up in my bones. There's something on the inside that would not allow me to quit. Hey, can I get a witness, somebody? As soon as you get ready to disobey God, something on the inside says, nah, you better stay where you're at. Been there, done that. Got a t-shirt. Another prophet of God, Elijah, he had a crisis of faith right on the heels of a great victory. First Kings chapter 19, I misspoke. That was Elijah that did that, called down fire. Sorry about that. When, he, when Ahab got home, this is after he had destroyed the prophets of Baal, he told Jezebel, everybody remember Jezebel? Yes. <laughs> Everybody that's got on red lipstick, you're Jezebel. Jezebel, you got that Jezebel juice on? The the devil. (laughs) Lord have mercy. I came up under that kind of teaching. Amen. If you wore red, you're going straight to the lake. I digress. Verse 2. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah. He left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. So here's the man of God. He is called down fire from heaven. He's destroyed 450 prophets of Baal. And these prophets were under Jezebel's leadership. And she got hot because God smote those, uh, those prophets of Baal at the word of Elijah. And so she said, as I've read, listen, I, I, I'm going to kill you. If this day is before and, and, and you're still alive, then I'm going to be dead. In other words, I've got it in for you. I'm coming after you. This is one woman. I won't even go there. <laughs> so he has the authority. He has the grace and the anointing to call down fire from heaven to destroy 450 prophets of Baal. But now he's afraid of one woman. Come on, brother. Say amen, somebody. God sent an angel. He's at a a point where he wants to, are you getting this? This is the great man of God. He wants to die. God sent an angel to encourage Elijah. And he got up and continued his ministry. All of us, when we get to a crisis of faith, When we get to a point where the load is so heavy, listen, we've got to be willing to receive the help that God sends. 
It's so interesting. There can be stuff going on in our hearts and in our souls, if you will, uh, that we may not even be quite attuned to. We, we may not even be uh, aware. I got a text early this morning uh, from, from somebody that I was a little bit surprised to get from. Uh, and, and he just encouraged me. He said, I just want you to know that God uh, had me praying for you this morning and that God is backing you up. Whatever you're going to preach, God is backing you. Come on, help me, Will Smith. I, I, Will Smith, I feel I can get jiggy with it. Come on here. There's something about not knowing. And I didn't feel anything in my flesh or anything like that, a negative. But maybe something on the inside is challenging me. I'm not aware of maybe demonic activity that's trying to stop the message from coming forth. But the devil is a lie. I receive that message. God is with me. And every now and then, God will send somebody to us to encourage us. Send somebody with a word. I'm just saying you got to receive it in order to benefit from it. There will be times when we question God or question our faith. There will be times when our circumstances don't seem to match our belief systems. In our opening text, we have John the Baptist. He had consecrated himself for 30 years in preparation for his ministry. Think about this now. We, we don't talk about this much, but John the Baptist, the, the description was he's in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey. John was a weird dude, according to society, if you will. He was out there by himself spending time with God in preparation. Listen now, 30 years he's preparing. John the Baptist had success in preaching repentance and baptism. When he emerged, he was successful, if you will. He had many disciples that he ultimately turned into disciples of Jesus. But when he confronted the establishment by calling out Herod's sin for marrying his brother's wife, Herod threw him in prison. <laughs> Do you know not everybody wants to hear the truth? We're, we're living in that generation right now where pastors like myself, we have pressure on us to be politically correct. Well, don't say that. Don't say it quite like that. Well, we don't want to hear. Now, come on. Come on. This is 2022. It's, it's, it's all right to fornicate a little bit. Well, all I told was a little white lie. I don't know where that came from. A white lie is a lie. A little lie is a lie to God. And it'll take you to hell. Come on here. But we've reached the point, as uh, the scripture says, that we don't want to hear the truth. We'll, we'll heap to ourselves teachers having itching ears. And I've told you many times, I don't want to live in a fool's paradise. I, I want to know the truth. I want to know what God expects from me because I will be kidding myself just to offer him any old thing. And then I stand before him and he say, that ain't got nothing to do with nothing. Our faith has got to survive, listen now, the inevitable crises that show up in our lives. Listen, you are either on your way to a crisis, you're in one, or you just got out of one. 
I'm just saying, we're living as people of God on different levels and different seasons. We got to recognize what time it is. Part of defending the faith includes warning people that things don't always go how you want them to go. I don't care how much faith you got. How, much, how, much, how, how many times you confess it over your family, over your life? There are things that can happen that we did not anticipate. And if we don't understand this, it can throw us off our game. Listen now, negative things can happen even when we do the right thing. When you do what's right, sometimes the opposite happens of what you expect. 2 Timothy 3, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 1 Peter 2, of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. You're getting what you deserve if you're doing something you ain't got no business. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. Come on now, let's say it all together. God is pleased with you if you suffer. If you suffer for doing what's right, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example and you must follow in his steps. Away with this Christianity that thinks that you can faith away all trouble. I can... I believe God, my faith is going to keep everything bad from me. Come on, you, be, you, you need to ab abandon that thought already. If Jesus is our example, and listen now, uh, Jesus was perfect, and they beat him. They talked about him. They connived. They, they conspired against him, and then ultimately they killed him. I, I think we're just a little bit less holy than Jesus. Matthew 5. Blessed are those who are persecuted persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for as they persecuted the prophets who were before you so john the baptist finds himself in prison after obeying god now i've, I've had a crisis in my faith before I quit my job years ago, and you know, when you quit your job, God shows you a business, and I had this business idea, and I, I'm kind of an entrepreneur type of guy, and so I, you know, anytime God speaks something to you and you obey, you just expect it to blow up. <laughs> and it blew up all right. Lord Jesus, it plunged me into a whole nother lifestyle. But God was coming after something. But I had to recognize over time that God wasn't trying to kill me. And when God asks you to do something, listen, he's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. While John the Baptist was there, he, he has a bit of a crisis of his faith. He begins to doubt in whom he believed because of his present circumstances. Let's read it again. John the Baptist, who was in prison. Heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Listen, our faith has to accommodate negative circumstances. 
When you get in a pinch, you can't stop serving Jesus. You can't uh, uh, stop believing in him just because things get a little negative. Come on here. That was John's issue. And that's my knock against the prosperity gospel. The, 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 the Bible causes us, listen, the truths that are in the Bible will cause us to prosper. Are y'all still with me? But the prosperity gospel says that we, our relationship with God and his graces is based upon that prosperity. Are y'all still here? Your favor with God is not measured by health, wealth, or circumstances. You could be going through hell and high water and be right smack dab in the will of God. You can be broke and disgusted, but God says, I'm anointing you. Has nothing to do with your bank account. Has nothing to do with your influence. It has to do with your level of obedience to God. And sometimes we're exactly in God's will when we are in the fire. And John had a crisis because he was in a bad place. Here I waited 30 years to obey God at this level. And what did it get me? It get me thrown in prison. But here it is now. Here's Jesus' testimony about what was going on. Jesus said, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. He added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. In other words, tell John that yes, I am the one. So don't get it twisted just because you're in prison, just because they persecute you. You know, I've learned in my 61 years and almost, I mean, my 40th year of salvation uh, coming up in, in September, I've learned a few things over the years. Sometimes when people come against you, when people start talking about you, when things start going all the opposite of what you believe in God, sometimes you're right where God wants you to be. And sometimes you can use that as a measurement to know that I got to keep on trucking, Eddie Kendrick. Got to keep on doing what God will is for our lives in spite of what's going on. Listen now. Jesus encourages John and us that we are blessed when we refuse to backslide because of what the gospel brings. Don't fall away because people don't like you, don't endorse you, or don't agree with you. But Jesus continues affirming John even while, listen, even while he's in prison. Let's read the text. Verse 7. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, here it is now, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. Jesus is talking about John the Baptist, and John is in prison. His testimony about John is, this man of God, this prophet is greater than Moses. 
He's greater than Elijah. He's greater than Elisha. He's greater than Ezekiel and Daniel and Obadiah and all them brothers because the anointing is on him and he is preparing the way for the Messiah to come. So don't get it twisted. Don't be discouraged if things aren't going the way you think they ought to go. A faith that survives a crisis, listen, must endure a pandemic. Your faith must deal with economic uncertainties. Faith in Jesus has to transcend, listen now, all of the false doctrines, the spirit of antichrist, and the, even the divisiveness of this nature. We got to deal with it. And our faith can't be shaken just because it's difficult. Our faith can't be shaken just because the enemy is putting pressure. Sometimes pressure squeezes out new wine. <laughs> Serving God is not all peaches and cream. Come on, music team, come help. Sometimes it's trusting God. Listen, through the storms of life and coming out on the other side. The solution is simply, listen, to decide to trust God's word and endure the crisis. You have to be living under a rock not to know that there are some tough times that we're dealing with right now. Unfortunately, fortunately, it depends on how you look at it. It's not over. And there are things that we're going to have to deal with. I remember a song that the Winans did years ago. Bring back the days of yea and nay. When we could plainly see the way. When it was up to us to choose whether to win or lose. The point is, things have gotten complicated. Because we got folks that say they serve God that can't spell Jesus. We've watered down the message of the cross. Nobody wants to hear about sacrifice. Oh my, no, no. Nobody wants to hear about taking up your cross and following Jesus. We want Jesus to be Santa Claus. Give me what I want and make it easy. I don't even want to have to go to pick up the gift. I want you to deliver it. And we're growing those kind of Christians if we're not careful. Your faith has got to be able to withstand some pressure, some crises, some negativity. And I'm not prophesying that over everybody or anything like that. It, it will show up on its own sometimes. But you've got to be able to endure until the end, as the scripture says. Mark 8, and we're going to finish. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? 
For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I, I just want to, you to answer this question. You can, you can rest on your feet. We're about to go. I want you to answer this question for yourself. What would you give in exchange for your soul? Your eternal soul. Is that woman you're not married to, is she that fine? Is he tall, dark, handsome, and rich? Is that enough? Is that worth going to hell and ultimately spending eternity in the lake of fire? Is, is, is it worth it? It's what Jesus is asking. What would you give? Getting, getting a, a couple extra hundred dollars on your tax refund, is it worth lying? Is that dependent really yours? What would you give? Our faith has got to stand the crisis. It's got to, it's got to be able to withstand those moments that we are pressured to do wrong. When we know that right is calling us. So I want to pray for us. When judgment is delayed, oftentimes we feel as though we got time. We, we, we feel that we can do our thing and yet get back with God. It's a trick. It's a trick. And I'm often reminded of the scripture that says, there's a generation will be like the, in the days of Noah when they will, uh, they, they're eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. In other words, they're doing whatever they want to do as adults. And they did that, listen, right up until the time that Moses and his family went in the ark and the door was shut. See, everybody going to be repenting when they get ready to stand before God. But it's too late. And so my, my prayer for all of us, as we pray for ourselves, that we pray for our families, that we won't be distracted by what's going on and, and it, it being difficult. Listen, you know, um, I, I weigh myself every day. Some people say that's not a good idea. It's a good idea for me because I like to eat. And if I forget, I mean, 10 pounds will just boop. And so this at least helps to let me know where I stand. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think what we have to do, the Bible says, to judge ourselves. We, we got to judge ourselves to make sure that we are in the faith. And we're at that period of time 
those last days. So I, I want to pray for us that we will not be weary in well-doing, that we'll hang on. We won't look uh, at the world and envy what they're doing because you know what? It seems like the world is doing better than the church sometimes. But it's a trick. Just read Psalm 73, it'll let you know. So I want to pray for us. So Father, I pray for my friends today, those that are in the room, those that are watching, those that will watch later. I pray for all of us that we will not be weary in well-doing. We won't get tired of doing what's right. For in due season, at the right time, we will reap. It will be worth it in the end. We sacrifice now so that we can receive your grace. We can be received into the kingdom of heaven. So we give you praise. I pray for my friends that in those dark moments when there's pressure, when crisis is all around, turmoil is all around, discomfort is all around that will encourage ourselves as, as David did and run on and hang on to the horns of the altar until the end. 150 years even is just a snap of the finger compared to eternity. So help us to endure to the end. I pray that we'll begin to give our testimony wherever we go to tell of the goodness of God, tell what God has done for us, because you are seeking to save those that are lost. So I give you praise for this congregation, those that are connected to destiny, those that are in this room, those that are all over the world, literally. God, we thank you for what you have called us to do, but help us to hang on. You got this. We understand that COVID is here. We understand the, the economic situations that's going on. But God, this is not a shock to you. You've got a solution. So we stay in you. And those that are hearing my voice, I'm recommending to you. I admonish you. I plead with you to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Just pray the prayer. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your precious blood. I turn my back on my own li old life and I receive salvation today. And from that point, you walk with him. You talk with him. You allow him to fill you with the power of the Holy Ghost. You begin to obey the word of God. And we can all be received into heaven with the clapping and the accolades of the angels that are there. So we give you praise, Father. We know that you who have begun a good work in us, you will not stop doing it to the day of Jesus Christ. We thank you. Thank you. The word says that we are blessed coming in, blessed going out. Our basket in our store, everything in our financial arena is blessed. Our children are blessed to a thousand generations. Our health springs forth speedily and whatever our hands touch prospers in Jesus' name. As we leave today, help us to manifest your kingdom. Your word says, if we faint in the day of adversity, our strength is small. <laughs> help us 
to do what you've called us to do. We give your name the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.